Welcome to Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Hello, everybody. How's everybody doing today? Just getting started here. Um, if you're joining us for the first time, I am Senior Master Craig Greca. I am a six-degree senior master in the universal martial art and a fifth-degree master in the Do martial art. And we're here today to talk about the teachings and trainings inside the Karate Kid universe, which is uh, shaping up to be pretty cool. I got to be honest with you. So today's example comes from the Karate Kid Part 1 and the Cobra Kai Netflix series. In the episode where the Cobra Kai's trash the Miyagi-Do dojo. Uh, now, when Mr. Miyagi built his backyard dojo, um, he did so with a fence uh, and also with gates to get in and out. And uh, you can see clearly in the Cobra Kai Netflix series when they show Mr. Miyagi creating his backyard dojo that he's using a screwdriver uh, to uh, tighten the screws used to build the gate for the hinges for the fences. So uh, today's topic is screwdriver. Now a little personal history on this. Uh, my dad was kind of a nail everything kind of guy. Um, when we built decks, when we built stuff in the house, uh, when we built the three car garage in the front, uh, we used nails for everything. Um, and also too, Mr. Miyagi was the same way in the Karate Kid movies. In the uh, Karate Kid part two, uh, at the very beginning, he had Daniel build a guest room uh, using the famous nail technique where you uh, tap the nail in a little bit and then you drive it all the way home with one clean hit, which, by the way, I've done many times in my life before. Okay, uh, In fact, um, I built a three-car garage and a extension to our living room during my senior year in high school when I was 18 years old. Um, that summer, I just spent the whole summer helping my dad build that. And uh, because my dad hurt his elbow, um, I almost single-handedly shingled the entire roof of the house. And I did so using those roofing nails and with a hammer. And I would tap the, uh, the nail in and then hit it cleanly in every single time. And I did it every single time. It was fun. So that's what I did to entertain myself while I was sitting on top of a hot roof all summer. But in the, um, my current construction stuff that I do, um, I use construction screws to build everything, okay? And the reason why is because um, uh, it's a little bit easier in some respects, and you can take things apart. Uh, very frequently when I build uh, obstacles, uh, sometimes the need for them or the focus of them will change over time, and I will either improve upon it or take it apart and build something else. Um, by using construction crews to build stuff, I can take it apart uh, and I don't have to worry about um, the nails that pop up over time. So for example, um, on our decks back home, um, over the years as the deck seasons, sometimes little nails would pop up and then your foot would catch them and you have to go around with a hammer and smack them back down again. So um, we're talking about uh, the work task of, uh, of using a screwdriver. now. Um, before we uh, get into that too much, I just wanted to uh, say that um, for I, I don't really use a screwdriver, a traditional screwdriver per se, um, unless I'm doing something sensitive like a wall anchor 
or something with smaller screws that have to be put together um, or something similar like that. And the reason, um, if it's something that's sensitive to over tightening or stripping, then I won't, I won't use, I'll use a normal screwdriver. Otherwise, I use a power drill. Okay, now power drills, just like um, some of my other, other topics, the modern approach to this still has a bearing on the same muscles that are used when you use a screwdriver. And that is the forearm muscles and the grip strength that you use in order to do that because you have to lock your wrist and really uh, power through it in order to, to do that, to, to build stuff with a power drill, okay? It just saves you from hours and hours and hours of trying to screw it in by hand, which is a lot of work, and your forms would be dead when you got done. So um, the work task that we're talking about today is building anything using uh, construction screws. So um, what I do here at the school is I build uh, American Ninja Warrior obstacles out of that, okay? So um, I also, too, use screws to build the handrails that I use at the studio. So I have handrails in my studio that people can use for bar type activities as well as stretching between classes so they can get a nice stretch. Now um, most of the time when I build stuff I pre-drill the holes first and I do that for lots of reasons. One, it makes it a little easier for the screw to go in and to set properly and then two, it keeps the wood from splitting. So a lot of times you don't want your wood to split um, when you're going to do an application. Um, so you want to make, especially when you're doing like a, um, like putting a piece of plywood on top of a, an obstacle, because the plywood itself will fracture and splinter um, when you go to put it down. And you don't want that. You don't want your, your surface to get all messed up uh, for how hard you worked on it. Um, now there's one concept that, that kids need to learn. Um, you can use a screwdriver for just about anything. A lot of times these toys these days that kids have, uh, like my son's drone or um, uh, anything really, um, they have like little screws to uh, take out using a screwdriver. And uh, one of the things that kids need to learn is they got to learn the rhyme, okay, the rhyme. And uh, this little um, uh, rhyme and alliteration helps to remember uh, how to get screws on or off. And that is righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Okay, let me say that again just to remember. Righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. So that when you're, when you're screwing something in, your screw makes a right turn and, and goes around. That is tightening it up. And then if you're taking it off, you go lefty-loosey. You go the opposite way. Okay? Now, just for helping the kids at home, since I can't physically show you, Righty-tighty is kind of like uh, clockwise, okay? Lefty-loosey is uh, counterclockwise. So that'll help you guys when you're building stuff um, at home. Now, um, as far as the martial art practice of using a screwdriver, okay? For one thing, uh, you take a lot of stress on your forearms. So you got to make sure that you do a forearm stretch. Now, a forearm stretch is when you straighten your arm out in front of you, and then you take your hand and point your fingers down, and then you pull on it a little bit, stretching out the top of the forearm, okay? Now also too, the other part of that is when you make like a palm strike and you pull your fingers back, stretching out the bottom of your forearm next to your wrist. Now this is very valuable to make sure that those uh, forearm muscles aren't getting too tight. Uh, you wanna keep them loose so that you can continue to function, okay? 
Now, other activities that, that really tax the forearms hard, besides uh, screwdrivers, is uh, any kind of rock climbing or climbing walls will also tax the forearms a lot. Um, martial arts does too when you're punching. Um, and then just doing manual labor. Like I, I've been, I was joking in the classroom the other day that said I, said I have really good forearm strength and grip strength. And the reason why is because of all the manual labor that I do okay, around the house. So I don't usually doubt that, but you have to keep it uh, loose in order for it to be uh, functional. Now, some other exercises that are used to develop uh, forearm strength uh, for your martial art practice. Um, in fact, I had the kids do this the other day in class, the push-ups on your knuckles. Okay, I had a lot of kids with bent wrists, and I said, that's it. We're going to do some push-ups on our knuckles. Okay, so we, we uh, determined a, a good amount, okay, so they can start to feel what it feels like to have that pressure on their knuckles and keeping their wrists straight. And that would do a lot to keeping their uh, forearms strong. Also, too, you can do wrist curls. So you can sit down in a chair, put your um, wrist on your kneecaps and then um, and form, and then take little uh, two-pound or little heavier weights if you want and do little curls, wrist curls, okay, by pulling just the wrist up itself. You can also flip the arm around and also go backwards so that you work in the uh, top of the form as well, the bottom of the form and the top of the form, okay? And if you have good forearm strength, you may be able to do this advanced yoga pose that I do, okay? It's one of the uh, few uh, advanced yoga poses that I can do. It's called the crow pose, okay? So it's the yoga crow pose, crow po pose. <laughs> I can't talk today. Um, and um, it requires good balance and good forearm strength in order to do it. So you can try that as well. Once you've uh, mastered that, you may have the uh, really good forearm strength. Now, um, another thing that good forearm strength is used for, or another practice of it, is um, what I call grabs and throws. Now, in class, we have a lot of these self-standing heavy bags that we move, okay? A lot of people can't move them, you know? That's why I don't want the kids to try, because they, uh, they uh, don't have the uh, grip strength, the form strength, or the balance to move them. So a lot of times we have our instructors or our uh, adults move them. Okay, even our adults sometimes, if they don't not used to it, they don't know how to do it. But you have to grip it. Okay, so like one time I I, I uh, strained my wrist, um, and I had a real hard. Oh no, I know what it was. Uh, my son uh, opened a door, and then um, I like tried to catch it really quick. It was a heavy door, and I tried to catch it real quick from it hitting the next person or hitting him or something, and it caught my thumb and pulled back my thumb. And when it did that, it, it sprained my my uh, between my thumb and my index finger. Um, and it hurt for about three months, and I had a hard time moving bags because I had zero grip strength. Um, but it does. It requires a lot of grip strength to grip it and then rip it, and then you balance it and you roll it out. Um, so that's a great practice just by helping us move bags. Uh, it's a great practice uh, at home if you have one or in class. Now, another thing we do too is um, we do what's called the clinch, and it's what's one of our close-range defenses that we do. Um, where you um, are grabbing someone by the arms or the shoulders. And this is done very often in wrestling. And this is done very often when, some, when, a, when a fight becomes into a wrestling match. Okay? But the clinch and move, if you can really manipulate someone because you have strong arms, strong shoulders, strong forms, and strong grip, grip strength, you can really manipulate them pretty well uh, to throwing them down. 
Okay, so that's that's one of the martial art practices you can do is you can try the grit, the clinch practice, where you clinch someone in class um, on the arms and the forearms in the um, uh, shoulders, and you try and manipulate them to throw them to the ground. Now, another uh, martial art practice, uh, which is a lot of fun, uh, is what I call overclocking techniques. Okay, this is my term. I call overclocking because uh, just like a clock, you're going to uh, go around a lot more than normal on a range on a range of motion angular technique. Now, a couple of examples of that, uh, a real common one is the spinning back fist. And you can practice this. With all these movements that I'm, I'm telling you, you could practice these 10 times. That's a really good number. 10 to 15 times is a great number. Uh, but the uh, spinning back fist, you get into a side stance, um, and then you um, spin just like you would for a spinning side kick, uh, but you would whip the back fist around. Okay. Now, as you do this, this is your, you spin in almost 180 to 360-degree arc uh, depending on how much overclocking you put on it. Um, and that's this spinning back fist uh, motion, which is a lot of fun. Okay. Um, also, too, the round punch or similar techniques can also be done in overclocking as well. You can do it with the, with the rear hand and bring the, bring the round punch through, taking a step, and thus, thus bringing your foot all the way around back to the stance it started from, thus creating almost 180 to 360 degree arc in the round punch. Now, in all these techniques, as a disclaimer, it's not always necessary or encouraged to do that in a fight, but it is a lot of fun as a martial art practice. Another one, using some kicks, is the round knee strike. So when you do a round knee strike, you spin on your support leg, bringing your rear leg out and around to hit a target and then follow through. Okay, That's a typical round knee strike. However, you can do this in a spinning fashion by hitting the impact point and then following through until your foot is back in its original stance, thus creating a 360-degree arc of the round knee strike. And we do this one very often in class. Um, another one is the swing kick, the spinning swing kick, where you take the swing kick through the target and then keep on going once again until you're back in your original stance. The crescent kick used for higher ranks is also another one that can be overclocked. Um, those, those techniques are all good. Um, a lot of times people would say, well, that's not practical because you wouldn't do that in a real fight um, because your back is turned. And I understand that. I understand that, you know. But, you know, um, the couple ways that we use this are as follows. One, a lot of people don't pivot properly on these angular techniques. Therefore, they have zero power. They're not bringing their leg or fist through the target. They're not crossing the median of the area, the target area. So, um, that helps people to pivot properly and to follow through properly. So as an exercise, it, it is very, very good to do. Um, also, too, it looks really good when you're filming little movies. Okay, so when we do our movies and we do an overclock of a technique, like a spinning a reverse swing kick done all the way around in a circle, looks really cool when you're doing techniques. Um, that's why they do that in movies too, so you can see the technique. If you did a really quick flip 
and, and hit someone. It doesn't show that often. That's why UFC fights sometimes don't look as cool as movies because in movies they do these big arc techniques which look a lot cooler because you can see them. Otherwise, it's just a quick hit. And you're like, what? Did they hit him? I can't tell if they hit him or not. Um, and that happens in UFC fights all the time. Um, we do this in the classroom as a bonus basic of the day. So a lot of times, uh, giving away all my teaching secrets here, but one of the things I do to make basics more fun is we have patterns, we have speed rules, we have basics, okay? And what I do is I go, today's bonus basic of the day is a overclocking swing kick, you know, with the rear leg. I want you to do the swing kick, go all the way through your target, and return back to your original stance. And they're like, yay, this is fun, you know, or spinning around knee strike or something like that, it's fun. Um, so we do that as a bonus basic of the day, and that's always fun for the students. Now, um, one another, another way we do this, and, and um, I had to think of a more grown-up name for this because we have a different name for it in the Tiny Tigers class, uh, but we have something called the Ninja Spin, okay? And this is, seems like it's really appropriate to teach today because we are uh, doing the screwdriver-like motion um, in our work task. So the Ninja Spin is when you're in a stance, like say a right stance, and then you jump, lift your legs up, spin in the air, and land back in that right stance again, okay? That's a lot of fun, okay? Uh, we call it, in the, ninja, in the Tiny Tiger class, we call it the Taz, like the cartoon animal that spins in a circle, the Tasmanian Devil. We call it Taz, and I'm not sure if some of the newer kids get the reference, but uh, uh, I know that, the, that I do, and a few others, they think it's cool, because that's the name of it called Taz. But I call it a ninja spin in the big kids class or the adult class. Okay, it's a lot of fun. So anyways, um, um, just, this is just another step in, um, in our uh, Karate Kid Universe training. And remember that in order to fully learn karate or any martial arts, sometimes you have to unlearn your misconceptions about what constitutes training. And that is why we are here. Okay, we're not here just to do the same old, same old. We're here to explore the different ways that you can train um, in martial arts because a true champion is always training. Okay, so if you truly want to be good at something, you have to always be training. Now, um, the secret word or phrase of the day. Okay, now remember if you tell me these in class or you email them to me if you live abroad, um, you can be eligible for free stuff and also to special discounts, okay? Now we have coming up, we have a the Karate Kid Master Dojo podcast t-shirts, which are getting ready to come out. I've already uh, approved the design with my um, um, graphic designer who's making the t-shirts and those shirts will be coming out soon. So. I'm looking forward to getting some of those out to you guys, okay? Um, so the secret word or phrase of the day is righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, okay? I always try to think of something funny for the kids, and today's one is the righty-tighty, lefty-loosey, okay? So that's the secret word or phrase. Um, remember that we are here every week to learn martial arts through everyday work, thus creating life, increased productivity, and a better world. So you guys enjoy the rest of your day, enjoy the rest of your week, and remember,
This is Karate Kid Master Dojo. This is Master Craig. Take care. Have a great day. Bye-bye.